Welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Christopher Shelby and Dr. Weish Coleman of Willis Knight and Eye Institute about cataract surgery. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show and as a reminder, please make sure that you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down low so we can hear your questions. The number to call is 318-219-4569 and a little bit later and throughout the show you'll see it at the bottom of your screen. Thank you so much for joining us doctors. As always, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's Thanks always good to be here. We really enjoy it, and it's always such great information. And I love it that our viewers feel like they can call and just ask you anything about cataracts, seeing better in general, the surgeries, everything that you offer. So let's talk about, we were talking about before, what we might talk, let's talk at the top of the show about implantable contact. Implantable contact yeah. lens. You know, I probably should have talked about that in the teaser a minute ago, but, you know, we can get into it some now. So it's a pretty cool concept. It's basically a lens that you put in the eye without taking out a cataract. It's a very thin lens that goes behind the iris, the colored part of the eye, in front of the natural lens. These things have been around for a while, but they've, there's a new model of it that's much, much better, that's much simpler to put in and a lot safer long term, that's been in Europe for several years and it just got FDA approval. So that's a big deal. Um, and we're going to be rolling these out here uh, at Wilsite in, in June. And this is really for people who are not a candidate for LASIK. So there are people for various reasons usually because their prescription's too big. There's people in the world that have like a prescription that's, let's say, a minus 17 refractive error. You know, most people who are nearsighted are like a minus two or something. Well, someone who's a minus 17, they're like a debilitated person. They can't live, they can't walk across the room, they'll run into walls without having a pair of glasses or contacts on. Um, in the past, those people have not been good candidates for refractive surgery or candidates at all because you would have to take too much tissue. You don't have enough to, to get that refractive error completely gone. Well, you can put this thin lens in the eye and you can go up to a minus 20. So that's huge, especially for people who are outside the zone of, of LASIK or SMILE candidates. And usually that's someone who's over a minus 10 or 12 up to a minus 20. Um, and it could be someone who's been excluded in the past from, from being a candidate for refractive surgery because of thin corneas, because of corneas that are at risk for what's called keratoconus. But we do all those screening procedures on somebody who comes in for refractive surgery, and in the past, if they, if they were at a risk for that, you'd say, sorry, we can't do anything for you. Well, now we have something to do that's a really good option. So it's just one more group that we've expanded into that previously said, you gotta stick with the contacts or glasses even though that's not optimal. Now we have something very good to offer. And this is coming here in June? It's coming here in June, yeah. We bought some new measurement equipment. We bought something called an ArcSan, which is a high-frequency ultrasound, to do more precise measurements to, to do sizing for these lenses. We've got the 15th one in the U.S. It's serial number 55. It's a really <laughs> revolutionary piece of equipment. It's incredible. Um, but it does very, very accurate measurements. It's for the purpose of these implantable contact lenses, and we'll be starting those in June. Okay, and how does something like this come about? So it doesn't just go, hey, I got an idea, that looks good, let's bring it next month. How much work has been putting into this and how does, how does this come about? This well, we've been watching, like we watch all these things evolve yeah. over time and then we say, you know, pick and choose, what do we think has reached a level of maturity that it's safe and effective and, and very reproducible with a very, very low complication rate? Because anytime you're doing something that's elective, that you know somebody is in contacts they're doing fine and you're trying to take them out you want a real low complication rate like 0.1 mm -hmm. percent right um or less and uh, i think that this this has just now reached that so these these this idea has been around for probably 50 years but it's technology has finally gotten to the point where 
it's safe and very reproducible. Okay. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Shelby, can you tell us about like the, the numbers that you were just talking about, the negative 17, negative 2, and what that means? How does that, what do those numbers actually mean? And is that how we decide? Mm -hmm. So what? we measure them in, in diopters, and a diopter, for anybody who wants a, a quick optics lesson, mm -hmm. is the power of a lens to focus light at one meter. And so, you know, minus one, you're a little nearsighted. For instance, I'm a minus one. I still have 20-20 vision, more or less, but I can read up close, being 49, you know, we always lose that near vision. So you get to a minus two, your distance gets a little bit blurrier, minus three. So the higher those numbers are, the more nearsighted you are. And somebody who's a minus 12, 13, 14, or above, you know, their focal point is right here, literally. So looking at you, they couldn't see any details. They couldn't tell a person was sitting in that chair. And so, you know, and the vast majority of people fall in that range between a minus two, minus four, and those are the perfect LASIK smile candidates, things like that. But once we get above there, then the reason that they're so nearsighted is because their eye is very, very long, and we call that axial myopia. And, you know, of course, the flip side of that is being farsighted, where the distance vision is much better than the near vision. Uh, and of course, <coughs> then you, you know, there's astigmatism, that's a whole different situation. But that nearsightedness, once you get above a certain number, we can't take enough tissue or we, we can't distort the cornea too much with refractive surgery. And so that's why the ICLs that Dr. Coleman's putting in are so nice because these patients, their only other option before was to literally have lens surgery. And the issue there is somebody who's 25 years old, if you take their God-given lens out and put another one in, sure, you can maximize their distance vision, but suddenly they lose their near vision. Mm -hmm. And so there's these sacrifices that have to be made. And with the ICLs, he can correct the vast majority of that nearsightedness and astigmatism. And the benefit there is if there's a little residual left over, like let's say a minus 17 turns into a minus one or minus a half or something like that, then they can actually have LASIK on top of that. <laughs> Really? Mm -hmm. Sure. That's incredible. So when we're talking about LASIK and different options, smile, LASIK, what is the difference in all this and what determines who gets what? So basically all of them are, are reshaping the cornea. LASIK has almost become a generic term like Kleenex is for tissue, you know, so that's sort of all-encompassing. People want LASIK. LASIK's the most well-known. There's several different versions of that. There's PRK, which was the older version before you had the ability to create a flap in the cornea. <clears throat> LASIK's where you create a flap and reshape it. Smile's where you don't create a flap and you reshape the cornea. All of them are reshaping the contour of your cornea, the clear part of the front of the eye. And usually, you know, the traditional thing is nearsighted people, we do farsighted treatments too, but in nearsighted people, it's like the cornea is too steep. <clears throat> so you make it a little bit flatter by very precisely taking some off the top of it. So <clears throat> that's what LASIK and SMILE do. And LASIK is where you use one laser to create a flap. You lift that flap up, you reshape the cornea underneath it, and you lay the flap back down. The advantage of LASIK over the pre predecessor PRK is you really don't disrupt the surface very much, so it heals overnight. The LASIK cases I did this morning will probably be 2020 this afternoon, <laughs> and they'll probably feel fine because you're really not disrupting the surface, and that's where the pain, where pain comes from in the eyes when you scratch your eye. You know, you can put a little scratch in it; it feels terrible, and it can be debilitating. So you don't you don't really do much disruption of that with LASIK. With Smile, you do even less. So you're taking a laser and you're cutting basically an elliptical shaped piece of tissue out of the center of the cornea, removing that and that causes the cornea to flatten a little bit. And, and you do it with disrupting even less of that epithelium. So, um, and you'd induce less dry eyes and stuff like that. Now, who's a candidate for what? Mm -hmm. Depends on what your prescription is. 
depends on the on the measurements of your cornea. It depends on your age too, because if we think we may need to come touch it up ten years from now to put you in focus at near, you know, get you out of reading glasses if you're like thirty five or forty, might want to do LASIK so you can go raise that flap ten years from now and touch it up. You know, if you're in your twenties, I have people who are you know boxers, outdoors people, um, special forces in the military who don't want the risk of a flap that they could you know, traumatically dislodge, that's very rare, but it is theoretically possible, smile's a more compelling procedure for them because it's a flap-free version, or someone with pre-existing dries. So the key thing is taking somebody and saying, you know, based on your prescription, based on your measurements, based on your needs, what procedure is the correct choice for you? And it's nice to have all the options. And so you, you look at something when someone's in their early 30s or 20s, what if someone came in in their 60s? Then what's the difference in what you look at? So generally, when if somebody comes in and they're over 50 and they want to get out glasses and contact lenses, the first thing we actually look for is a cataract. Because, you know, cataract is that slow color change of your God-given lens. And a lot of times, especially when you get into the 60s, if somebody's wanting to get out of glasses, whether they're nearsighted, farsighted, or it's astigmatism, then generally it's time for cataract surgery. And so now there's some patients who are in their 50s have really no clinically significant cataract, and so they're still a candidate for, for LASIK or SMILE or PRK. Um, but lens-based surgery, like cataract surgery, is always an option. It's just much more common as we get older. Okay, and it, I've heard you say before, it's, just, it's very common that it just happens. You live long enough, you know, chances yeah. are you're gonna. Now somebody asked me the other day if there are any supplements that stop cataracts, and I told them I sure hope not. And if they know of any, don't, don't tell anybody else. <laughs> That's bad you know, business. At least until Goodness. I retire, you know. <laughs> well, just something to talk about. We talk about lifestyle and everything with other medical things we talk about. Is there, what else can we do to, is there anything we can do to, with our lifestyle starting early to, enhance our vision and make sure that we have healthy eyes going forward or is it just something a natural progression with your eyes? It's probably more natural progression mm -hmm. than anything. You know, chronic disease causes eye problems. Diabetic retinopathy can cause issues. Um, but otherwise, there's not a whole lot of lifestyle factors to modify. I mean, you're probably going to get a cataract. If you're really healthy, you might not get it till you're 80. If you have a lot of medical problems, you know, you may get it when you're 50 or 60 and uh, it's a continuum but those don't always hold true either you know sometimes you see someone who's 85 that still has pretty good vision mm -hmm. and then you see plenty of people who are 55 or 60 and they're you know they have a terrible cataract and they need cataract surgery right now but the, you know a lot of times it's very random too because young people come in with cataracts they have no medical problems and they just developed one early and you never know why so we haven't really isolated one thing to do. There's not a lifestyle modification that you can make that makes you not get cataracts. You know, people say, well, UV light exposure, well, that's probably a good idea to wear sunglasses. How much difference does it make? Nobody's ever proved it. It would be difficult. It's over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be difficult to take a take a five-year-old, make them wear sunglasses 90% of the time for the next 50 years and see if they get a cataract later. Right, probably yeah. yeah. Really hard, hard to tell. Hard to tell, yeah. yeah. But, but the good news is, is the treatment is is so straightforward. It's the safest procedure performed on earth uh, and it has the best results. You know, so the nice thing is we see somebody who's terrified because they're going blind because of their cataract. It's nice to say, look, this is 100% curable. Mm -hmm. You know, not only that, but we can put you in probably better focus than you've ever been in your entire life. Yeah, because it, I would say like almost everyone, like we've talked about that before, just incredibly afraid of going blind, of course, or, or not even be able to see even what you said, be, be able to see, but not even be able to tell if someone's sitting in the chair. Yeah. It's very, it's frightening, it really yeah. is. which is also frightening if you depend on your glasses and 
you're without them. I mean, I can imagine the lifestyle change and the security and the, uh, the fear that you take away when someone doesn't have to have contacts or glasses just to see. Yeah, especially for people who are, who are really nearsighted. And we talked about like the example of, a, of someone whose prescription's a minus 17. So, you know, a person who's a minus 17 is in focus at, at five centimeters. So that's like here. <laughs> and anything beyond that, they don't see at all. So that person, if they break their glasses or lose their contacts, they literally can't survive until they get another pair. So being able to take that person and then making them totally functional with no glasses or contacts is pretty amazing. And if we had someone watching right now and they just went, they, they're very good, they go every year and they get a new prescription, they get glasses, contacts, and they notice even right after getting their new prescription, like uh, even maybe a month later, they're starting to see their vision just doesn't seem quite right, even with this new prescription. That's generally a cataract. You yeah. know, we, we can see some subtle changes in vision over time, but by the time somebody's 21, they're going to be fairly stable. You know, people say, well, my glasses keep changing. And, you know, it's a small percentage change, you know, plus or minus, which they really don't appreciate when they're wearing their glasses or contacts. But as the cataracts develop, you know, of course, they're doing it slowly over time, but you get to a point where these small changes on a more significant cataract are more visually significant. So a patient will get their glasses or contacts updated, and then usually within six months, they're thinking, hey, this isn't working anymore. And so they come in, they get their glasses updated, contacts updated, and they do fine, or it really doesn't help. And at that point, and that's what we tell people, when it gets to the point that we really can't improve your vision with an update in glasses or contact lenses, then it's time to do something different, which is generally cataract surgery. Mm -hmm. And doing it sooner rather than later is actually much better. Right. And let's tell everyone who's watching now, and by the way, just to remind you, you can call uh, if you have any questions about your vision, your sight, different things you're going through, surgeries, possible treatments, you can go ahead and call the doctors today because you got them right here. Ask them anything you want to know. They love it. I'm starting and to wonder if we're on the air or not. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Let's, let's I know. Check. You're ever usually had. flooded <laughs> with callers. <laughs> I per his shoes today, yeah, that's I mean, right. we Even can't go without talking yeah. about yeah. I think shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk about the shoes? on Bitcoin and cryptocurrency yeah, that's as well. Right. If the anybody the has that, we can span <laughs> the scope some. Maybe we'll get some callers there. I mean, I brought my shoes. I can tell you the answer. Always Five. buy Bitcoin, never sell Bitcoin. <laughs> Easy. It's, oh, oh we generate right. what's what's name? Name? Sorry, Bitcoin shoes. <laughs> we do have a caller. All right, Laddie. we have a caller. Laddie, thank you for calling. What's your question for the doctors? Uh, I have had an appointment, and I have another one with Dr. Coleman. And He's a good dude. When I went to, when I went to see him, they said, oh, you can't see Dr. Coleman, you'll have to see Dr. Jones, and I wanted to find out why I couldn't see Dr. Coleman. I had been to Dr. Lyons, and I didn't like his attitude, so I changed to Dr. Coleman, and it so happens that Dr. Jones works for Dr. Lyons, so I'm no better off, but they said you can't see Dr. Coleman or the other doctor. Well, I think that, uh, first of all, we're going to solve that problem right now. Um, we, I absolutely will see you. The, I've been so overwhelmed with surgical evaluations lately that my partner, Dr. Jones, who's in my practice, sees a lot of people for me, especially for an initial appointment. If you want to see me, I'll definitely see you uh, and get you pointed in the right direction. Can you call my office right now? I have, I have an appointment the 31st. Me with and me? my wife both at three at three fifteen. With me. 
Well, yes, but we always have to see Dr. Jones. Oh, okay. And what? when was your appointment? If you can call the office right now and tell them we just talked on TV, make sure they put you on my schedule. Okay. We, uh, we'll do that. Then. We We will take care of that. No problem. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Yes. Good luck, Laddie. And that's a good topic to bring up. I know we talk about the the procedures and everything but it's a good time to also talk about how your practice really works in the office and um, it's you you've talked about the, the whole staff from the moment you walk in the door anyone is really everyone all works together and because you do what you do and you do see patients you're operating all the time too there might be a time we have to see someone else but to be assured that anyone there who works in your office is pretty much the yeah and that's actually what he said we get that a lot too yeah and so, and for anybody who's ever experienced that with me or Dr. Coleman who's listening or hasn't experienced it yet, there's so many days in a week. And Dr. Coleman and I spend quite a bit of time in the operating room. You know, that's where we believe our talents best lie, even though we enjoy interacting with patients. And what happens is, is we get patients that want to come in to be evaluated, which is wonderful. And so, and for the sake of time, you know, the length of time it takes to get an appointment, plus the length of time it takes to see us, we have fantastic practitioners in our clinics. We have Dr. Jones, uh, Dr. Ezell now, we've got Dr. Yeah, yeah, she's coming in soon. We have Dr. Luca over at, at my mm -hmm. clinic. We have Dr. Lewis over at North. And their role is to manage the clinic. And so they're very bright, smart, and they generally will screen you know, see the patients initially because a lot of people you know they're a little blurred vision a little red eye they're perfect for seeing them and a lot of times when a patient wants to come in for a cataract evaluation they will end up seeing dr luca or dr lewis or dr jones first uh, before seeing us and if a patient now the thing is is that that we definitely and always will see patients and if a patient says i want to see dr coleman i want to see dr shelby Absolutely, we can make that happen. Now, that being said, it may be a little longer out than you know being able to come in quickly and see one of our partners. And so it's not that we don't wanna see patients, it's just you know I, I enjoy my time at home and the weekends and things like that, because we could definitely fill up 18 hours a day, seven days a week, which yeah. we feel very grateful for, but you know, I don't want Dr. Coleman to have a head that looks like mine. I don't want to lose any hair over so much stress. <laughs> it's you know, not happening so, yet. No, and I don't <laughs> the, think it uh, will. I hate to make people wait, so we try to get them in yeah. sooner. That was whatever my, the soonest what appointment is. is yeah. Is, and that, so they sometimes end up at Dr. John. I'll see anybody who's a new patient coming yeah. into my practice, but I don't want to make people wait three months. I'm always afraid they're going to go somewhere else if we delay the appointments too much. So try to get them in. Also make sure they don't have an acute problem because if somebody calls and they got blurry vision, a lot of times you don't know whether it's a cataract. So, uh, you know, or it could be something that needs attention now, like a retinal problem or whatever. I don't want to make that person wait months. I want to get them in soon because if they do have something that needs to be taken care of, really need to identify it. Now, if it's a cataract, then they need to be seeing me to get set up for cataract surgery. But that's typically how the schedule works, and we try to keep it open so we don't make people wait too mm -hmm. long, especially if they're having a problem with blurry vision because that needs to be seen and evaluated. Yeah, yeah I'm absolutely. sure it's just the goal of your office, no matter what, to get people in as soon as possible as to take as care possible. of them. That's right. Yeah, and not have to wait. Yes. So, yes. Uh, we have Nancy on the line. Hi, Nancy. What is your question? Uh, my question is, I had a cataract surgery um, with one eye, and my eyes, my vision was deteriorating after the surgery, 
And I had a lens called Vividy, mm-hmm. like a premium lens put in. So after the surgery, I saw worse vision, and um, it was determined that I had a macular pucker. And so I had to go to a specialist and had a vitrectomy. So um, my vision uh, has gotten a lot better, but I see things wavy that had never got corrected. So I was wondering what I need to do um, to see another specialist, or is it going to be a better, or is it going to be the way it is? You know, so with a with an epiretinal membrane, a macular pucker, you know, of course, um, sometimes if you have a dense cataract, especially, they're hard to, to diagnose until after the cataract comes out. And, you know, having the surgery, uh, what they do, of course, they peel that membrane off the back of the eye, and we call it a pucker because you get these little ridges in the macula. And so as that relaxes, those cells, those neurons that are supposed to stick straight up will tend to be a little bit tilted and you see that as a bit of a distortion. And it's one of those things that, that over time, we can see the brain can adapt to it to where when you're using both eyes together, it's not quite as significant. But that's not incredibly uncommon in somebody who's had a macular pucker or a macular hole or even a retinal detachment. And so it's one of those where, where time will tell and also, once you've had a vitrectomy after cataract surgery, sometimes the refractive error changes, meaning that you could become a little more farsighted, a little more nearsighted, or develop a little bit of astigmatism. And so correcting 100% of that can improve those symptoms. Even though that little bit of distortion may never go away completely, uh, it, it, most patients tend to adapt over time. So um, my the other eye that I have not gotten the cataract surgery, I should go ahead with the same lens, uh, or do, can I change another lens that maybe more uh, give me a better vision? No, it, it's a that's a great question, and it's something that we'd have to actually look to see what your scans read and and what your eye looks like. But the Vividy lens is actually a good option for patients who have corneal issues uh, or even macular issues to try to give them the widest range of vision possible. And so what I can tell you is, as a general rule, most patients, when we do their other eye and they have both eyes that are clear, their overall vision is much better. And so based on how your retina looks, probably the Vividy would probably be the best option to try to give you that widest range of vision but it may be an aspheric lens. You know, one of the normal lenses to maximize your distance vision. That's all going to depend on what the back of your eye looks like. But I'd recommend uh, definitely having that cataract surgery to try to get the eyes as balanced as possible. And you would see a patient that had this, like my condition? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's, we we end up taking care of of quite a, a few complicated and complex patients because you know our goal is to to work with what we have and even though your visual potential may not be a hundred percent it's probably better than what it is right now and so our whole goal is to get you seeing as well as humanly possible okay thank you I would make an appointment okay great Nancy and tell them you talk to us on KTBS and they'll get you in as soon as possible 
All right, thanks again. That's a hard question, too. It is a hard question. It's a hard question that probably has a lot of factors to go to. Nancy, if you're still listening, I would love to see you. That's a question that I think um, I I, I get excited about that one. Yeah. Yeah. We can figure out the best solution because you end up in post-op purgatory, I call it, where Mm. you're between eyes and then people hold off. You know, you need to make a decision about how to move forward because you, you need both eyes done to get mm-hmm. good vision and people get skittish because it didn't go it, it's not perfect in one eye well you know you got two chances to make it perfect and you've only taken one of those chances right so but it is a, it is a real question of what lens to put in the other eye and i think it needs to be chosen carefully mm-hmm. based on a bunch of different uh maybe complex factors so if you're still listening nancy you can call my office at 212-5901 um i like patients like you who are between eyes and not perfect with the first one that's yeah, he really does. He's very data-driven, which is impressive. You know, yeah. I had to drop accounting twice <laughs> when I was at A&M. So when it comes to a bunch of, you know, we figured out there's three types of people in this world. You know, those that are good at math and those that aren't, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> and, uh, Did we have a call? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you credit the first three times I used that. <laughs> so. Okay, well, we do have a caller. We have Leonard on the line. Hi, Leonard, what's your question? Yeah, uh, I hope my eyeball and the surgery are the that they wanted me to have uh, the uh, cataract removed. And, uh, and I want them to put in the link that I were But instead, I put one, uh, one step down, and I still got, you know, still not good enough that I don't have where I'm Did you get enough of that, Dr. I think I did. It sounded like you may have had a hole right in the hole, got a lens that gets you at distance, but you still need glasses to see up close. Is that the, is that the, the summary? Well, you know, we have to put that lens in that went one step down. And uh, I just wonder what I need to put on my hand direction. No, if I could get the lane that didn't have to drive, my. We're basically eye. getting about it's every uh, other word on this one. So I don't know. Okay. I think we've got a pretty terrible connection. And I think I've gotten some of what's okay. going on, but I don't think I've gotten a, a full picture. We may just try to discuss. Yeah. Hear me better now. Yes, we can. Yeah, that's better. That's better. I think we got you better now. Okay. Go again. Yeah. yeah okay. Give us the thirty-second okay. summary because we're about to time out. Okay. What it was, I had the uh, one eye done because I I had a hole in back my eyeball. Yep. And they, I wanted them to put in the lenses that uh, I wouldn't have to wear glasses up close, mm-hmm. but they went one step down. And I still paid them fast three thousand dollars for it, and uh, I didn't really get what I wanted. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to know what I need to do with my other eye. If I need to uh, go ahead and put uh, the uh, lenses that I see up close or and far away too, because my right eye I see a little blind spot, you know, mm-hmm. a little vacant spot occasionally, Got it. you know, when okay. I read. Yeah. Yes. And, First absolutely. of all, come see me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
and that's another question like the last caller. We need to see exactly what the situation is to decide what to do. The first eye has been done, the second eye hasn't been done, and it sounds like you had a retinal hole, and so whoever did your cataract surgery sounds like to me get a good job by not putting a multifocal lens in the eye with a retinal hole because that's a contraindication to a multifocal lens. The multifocals are what give people glasses independence at distance, intermediate, and near. But you really need the retina to be normal for those to perform the way that they're supposed to perform and give you, uh, you know, reliable glasses-free results. So people who have an abnormal retina typically don't get a multifocal lens. Now, the eyes are two are separate. So if someone has a retinal hole in one eye, I wouldn't rule out a multifocal lens in the other eye. I would say that they are made to be to work together. They work better for near vision, especially when they're in both eyes. But that's not to say that they don't work pretty well when they're in one eye at a time if, if there's only one eye that's a candidate for it. I've done a lot of unilateral multifocal lenses and I've even done multifocal lenses, especially the panoptics in people who have only one eye in their head total that are true monocular that achieve you know total glasses independence. So if you'll come see me, I'll look at your situation and see if we can uh, see if we can come up with the best solution. If we can get you glasses free, we will, but it may be possible that you're just gonna be a distance target and wear readers to see up close. It would be case by case dependent. Okay, thank you so much and thank you Leonard for calling. You go see Dr. Coleman and we wish you well. And thank you again for calling. And so, any one thing you'd like to leave us with before we wrap it up? We well, they've got to hit the seconds. website. Okay, what's yeah. your website? Uh, it's thecataractsurgeons.com. Um, our offices are at Wilsite North, South, and over at Piermont. And the uh, office number at my office is 212-5901. And, and Dr. Shelby? 212-3937. And you can also call 212-2020. All right. Thank you so much for being here. This was great. And thank you to all our callers for calling in. Great questions today. Yeah, great right? questions. Yeah, you Slow start, but we got stuff. there. Yeah, we got there. All right, sounds good. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Healthline 3.